Welcome once more again to the Race MotoGP podcast. We're not going to talk about a Grand Prix specifically, but we're going to talk about how Ducati have all of a sudden started to turn corners and sprout aerodynamic wings. We've seen wings on MotoGP bikes for some years now, but the array of wings that are on the 2021 works Ducatis of Bagnaia and Miller are really quite something. And they're not literally sticking their fingers in the wing in the wind. There's quite a bit of aerodynamic work and knowledge that have gone into the sculptures on the side of the Ducati. Neil Spaulding is joining myself, Toby Moody. Neil, great to have you with us. Great to have you back. What's going on with Ducati and their winglets? <laughs> I wish I could say for sure. Um, as uh, we're all been living through this wonderful COVID crisis, I haven't actually been allowed in pit lane for getting on for 18 months now. But being a good little um, MotoGP fan, I have been watching on the telly, and there's a few aspects of the Ducati that have really quite fascinated me. I wrote an article for Bike Magazine, uh, it's out in the current issue, just pointing out there are a few bits hanging off the Ducati that might be doing things people aren't expecting and I thought it'd be really cool just to do a podcast now to sort of fill out the, the basic theory that we put in that article um, so I thought if I can I'll start with where Ducati have been and how they got here first um, the Ducati MotoGP bike first turned up properly uh, in 2003 and it was obvious from minute one there was something different about it I mean, they made unbelievable amounts of power, and all the photos you saw at the time were fantastic pictures of Loris Caparossi coming out of corners with the rear wheel spinning, smoke pouring off it, and it was wonderful stuff. But as I learned more, as the series developed, as I did more time working in MotoGP, we realized that that wasn't actually a good way to operate. It was just the only way that Loris could get the thing to go around corners. He got tremendous amounts of rear grip, so much so that he couldn't actually get the front tire to grip enough to turn a corner. So to make it make it turn, he had to destroy the rear grip. And he did that literally by spinning the rear tire. Um, over the years, it was clear that Ducati always had this issue with front tire grip. It never really quite wanted to turn. Casey Stoner could deal with it with his absolutely wonderful reactions, moving his weight, everything else. But in the end, it came down to the fact that the Ducati engine is not really a V4, it's an, or at that time, it was an L4. So the front cylinders were pointing straight at the front wheel. And that meant most of the weight of the engine was further back in the chassis than it was in other bikes. When Ducati signed with Bridgestone, Bridgestone sat down and in their genius essentially designed a pair of tyres that would work with that weight distribution. So all the rest of the bikes at the time had something like static weight distribution of 52% front, 48% rear. And the Michelin tyres were built for that. But Bridgestone developed a set of tyres that worked for 48% front, 52% rear. And suddenly the Ducati went round corners when you had a rider who understood how to make it work. As we went through the years, um, the underlying characteristic remained. When Rossi was on the Ducati, it was still very difficult for, get him, for him to get it to do what he wanted. 
at that stage, life wasn't helped by the fact that the Bridgestones had become control tyres, so they weren't changing in design. But Ducati had changed the fundamental characteristic of their bike. They'd gone from a really flexible steel tube chassis to a very rigid carbon fibre box. And that carbon fibre box was so stiff it was preventing the tyres, well, it was actually destroying the tyres. It, it was just holding them too stiffly against the ground. Roll forward another few years, Ducati have sorted out the way their engine response works. They've got external flywheels. They can change that to suit the rider. Luigi Dallinia has come on as head of uh, Ducati Racing from Aprilia. Um, and one of the things he brought with him was the idea of a much smaller engine design physically smaller um, so that he could move it within the chassis to get the weight distribution he wanted at any given time and that's something that changes as tires slowly develop you might want to move the weight so if you've got a smaller engine you can redesign the chassis and hold the engine in a different place so 2014 turns up they're developing their new engine 2015 start of the season they turn up at Sepang for the test and all of a sudden, this bike turns a corner. I mean, we even put it in my book. Dovizioso was running up the inside curbs. It was turning so well. But it was unstable. So to try and cure the stability, they added wings. And just like you'd have in a, a small Robin DR400 plane or a Jodel or even an old Phantom Fighter, if you put a wing on something that's bent, so it's, called, it's dihedral, basically, um, it stabilizes the vehicle it's attached to. And it does that because as the vehicle leans or wobbles, the wing provides better lift at certain angles. So the initial Ducati wings were upside-down wings set down at an angle of about 25 degrees just in front of the rider's knee. Worked really well. But somebody clearly inside Ducati at that time worked out, oh, We've got the stability sorted, but we can't off accelerate off corners now. And it wasn't actually changing what was thought to be the main problem at the time, which is bikes trying to turn over backwards when they got flat out. It was actually just letting them accelerate up to maximum speed much quickly. It was holding the front end down. It didn't wheelie. It, exactly. The, the air was pushing the front wheel down. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's simple. That, that's the simplest thing to understand. Yeah, it's, it's a, it, it was getting rid of the wheelie as a problem or raising the wheelie speed beyond what everybody else could do. So Ducati started strapping more and more wings on. I mean, the next year, they went through probably 30 different designs. Um, since then, it's got a bit more restricted. People have worked out that aerodynamic wars cost a lot of money. So now you have to homologate your wings and your fairing shape at the start of the year. And there are certain restrictions in there, how wide everything can be, um, uh, down at the bottom of the fairing, for instance, the bike must be able to lean over at 50 degrees before anything touches the ground. The, the, the bodywork must be at least 50 mil off the ground at all times. Things like that set out the limits. And here we are this year where, well, let's, let's just go back one further notch. Last year, Davizioso left the team. Right to the end, he was complaining that his bike would not turn a corner. It is quite possible that Ducati had worked out that the speed they got off the corners with all those wings was worth it for the problem 
of having it not turning a corner. If a rider moved in a certain way, and certainly certain of their new riders um, are capable of doing this, you could move your weight forward enough that the rear, the front tire gripped at the point they wanted it to grip at in the middle of the corner. Dovi wasn't moving his body like that. So, you know, not unreasonably, the factory have said, well, we want to have the acceleration off the corners that come with the wings, and that man over there can ride around the problem in the corner. We're going with him. But Miller doesn't get off the bike like that. If you look at him, he's, he's got more of a Dovi style than anybody else. And yet the thing is turning corners. So I started looking at it. And yes, you've got two absolutely massive wings up at the front in front of the rider's hands. Uh, absolutely monstrous things. And then down the side of the bike, you've got two little wings with, a, with a, um, an external fence on them. Uh, that's a barrier at the end, which, you know, it's, it, it conforms with the rule that requires that nothing can stick out as a blade. You have to have a, a shield on the end. And that also is quite handy because aerodynamically those sort of wings work better as well. If you sit on a um, any sort of recent Boeing or Airbus and look out on the wing, there's a little vertical winglet at the end of the main wing. It just makes that part of the wing work better. And also it stops any flex. I thought you were going to say about a jumbo. Have you seen the thing flex when you leave the tarmac? Absolutely. Enormously. And I know that they're not as big as a, uh, an, avi an aviation wing on a, on a motorbike, and they're made of carbon, not aluminium, but um, they're not going to flex. They're not going to move. No. And, you know, you don't necessarily... Well, how can I put this? There are rules in motorcycle racing about the rigidity of all this, but they're nowhere near as rigid as they are in Formula 1. In Formula One, the problem is different. You've got a vehicle that is flat on the ground and they're all fighting to keep it flat because they've all worked out that if you have a wing close to the ground, it's actually extremely effective. Um, and the closer they can get and hold it there, the more effective it stays. So you have a front wing on a Formula One car that's, I think, 1.4 metres, 1.5 metres wide now. And it's producing probably... 25-30% of the total downforce on a car um, and given that a car downforce is enough to stick it actually on the ceiling when it's going along you could argue the front wing is at least equivalent to the weight of the car in, in terms of the wind, the downforce it can generate yeah, and just to remind people what you're saying about the closer that the wing is on a on a car to the floor, that cr creates negative pressure, which is a vacuum, which equals ground effect, which is under the car and therefore downforce. It's a suck factor. It hunkers the thing closer to the tarmac, and that's what engineers and drivers love. Absolutely, and they go to extreme lengths to keep the car flat to maintain that force. Um, now, here we are in motorbikes. Funnily enough, not only do we not have a rigid vehicle, we also cannot sit at one position. Our vehicles are tilting. They are far more like uh, aircraft without wings than they are cars with two wheels. So That's a good analogy. Yes, they are missiles, <laughs> aren't they? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but but we are flying on the ground. That's what that's what the motorcycle is doing. And you have to build everything, all the wings, everything else, have to deal with a vehicle where the front fork travel is 130 millimeters. So it has to work there or thereabouts when it's upright on a straight, but also 
works to a certain limited degree when the foot when the brakes are hard on and the front is down so we're not building super precise wings we're, we're building wings that work over a, a fairly massive change in angle of attack but we're also we have a downside with our wings in a formula one car they want all the force going straight down through the vehicle on our motorcycles we've no choice all the wings hung off the bikes at the moment work straight down the middle of the vehicle unfortunately at 60 degrees that's not where you want the force the same force that's holding the bike down in wheelies off off a corner in a corner is now pushing the wheels wide now let's just think about a motorcycle in a corner grand prix bike hits 60 degrees so they, they actually go to 62 degrees but at 60 degrees the g-forces down through the tires are double what they are upright you're at 2g you know it's a bank angle it's like an aircraft um and unfortunately the aero force is adding to that and i think the more wings that ducati have hung off the front of their bike they've actually got to the point where they're pushing the tire they need to limit the amount of weight on that tire or they need to find some method of holding the tire against the ground with a force that's coming directly down from above as opposed to directly down through the middle of the bike. So you've got to imagine a big arrow coming down from the sky, pushing down on the tire. And if we can get that, it just might grip enough to go around corners. No matter what the angle of the bike is what you're saying. It's essentially what in our perfect world, we want to switch off the wings that are going down through the middle of the bike when it's at full. Through end. the yoke, through the forks, yep. through the axle. And we want to, to the switch tire. on yep. a force a wing that pushes straight down from the sky understood yeah yep. and i think ducati are playing a game with their wings what they found with their mark one wing back in 2015 was that as the bike rolls onto its side the rider's knee and his leg and his forearm and these days his head and his crash his, 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 his crash helmet um get in the way of the air going under the bike so the wings that are on the ground side of the bike are not working anywhere near as efficiently as the ones on the upside, which was quite good. It lowered the amount of downforce. What they've got now, wings right up in front of the rider's hands, they're going to work just as well at pushing down through the middle of the bike at full lean as they do upright, and that becomes a problem. The, the wings that are behind the front wheel attached to the fairing, however, are still probably switching off with the rider's knee and his body blocking the wind behind them. So the wings are just not working as well. But now this year, right at the bottom of the fairing, we've got two ducts, one on each side of the bike. And they don't seem to be connected with any form of cooling. They look like they're working uh, just to send air under the bike. Now, that's a bit illogical when you first think about it because everything else on that bike is trying to hold the front down and here we have a pair of scoops that take air in they're probably immediately behind the brake calipers and it points downwards if you go find a picture of this year's ducati you'll see that the exhaust from this duct is pointing under the bike you can see if you look really carefully that in that duct there appears to be a wing now 
I've checked through all the rules and they're quite clear. They say that only external shape, excluding the windscreen, is defined in this regulation. So the outside of this fairing, they can't change things. All the wings hanging off it that are on the outside are stuck in design. But those wings in the middle of those ducts can be changed. Clever. A. B. When you're leaned right over, the sides of those ducts are parallel with the ground. And I'm sitting here thinking, well, if you wanted a force from up in the sky, forcing straight down, it would be really cool if those sides of those ducts were a, wing, were, were a wing shape and you actually got it down on the ground and suddenly you've got a force that's starting to hold you down. So if you had, let, 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 they don't have to be particularly effective uh, compared to a Formula One wing, they just have to provide five, 10 kilos of downforce when they're close to the ground because the wing that's on the other side of the bike will be trying to lift the bike. But, 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 but because it's not close to the ground, it's not working anywhere as near as efficiently. It's got no ground effect. Yes. It's got no ground effect. It's that simple. So yeah. when the bike's yeah. upright, you've actually got two little wings on the outside of the duct that could be just trying to pull the fairing apart. Just 10 kilos of yeah. force. And you put a little strut yeah. inside or build the carbon a bit thicker so it can take it. But when it's leaned right over, the one of those scoops that's close to the ground, I suspect is doing something down towards the ground. And it wouldn't have to be much. It just has to be enough. Is it to... big enough? Is it a big enough floor, as it were? Let's imagine this is a car. Is it a big enough floor that's 40 mil above the ground, 50 mil above the ground, to create a negative, negative pressure? I am not an aerodynamicist. And it's quite possible that's the only reason we're having this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but it looks to me that the duct is something like uh, 150 mil um, sidewall. Now, a Formula One wing is generating with about six different wings, enough downforce over 1.4 meters to equal the weight of the car. All I want is about 10 kilos more than what I had before on the side of that tire from above. And I suspect that is possible. They might not be doing it now. I'm, and if they're not, it'd be really cool if somebody would do me the favor of trying it. Um, but I think the side of that duct could do that job. And I think you could start playing with how effective it was by changing the wing that's inside the duct. So if you didn't like the effect at a certain circuit, you could take the wing out, put a different wing in, change the angle, whatever. There's an adjustability that would appear to be within the rules. You can change, you know, they're only worried about the external shape. So I wonder if that fairing, if that duct, when leaned over, is just giving them enough force in the right direction to make the difference. Okay, so why don't they make the bottom of the belly pan not in the sort of pointy V, towards the front but make it fatter so that the more of the slab side of the fairing where the sponsors are written will be a bigger area a greater surface area that can be a ground effect when it's leaned over at 60, well, the, 60 62 63 degrees there are rules as to how big everything can be 
But there was a very interesting engineering paper I saw about 10 years ago by a, a student aerodynamicist who basically put that exactly that point forward. And I think the general feeling was it would be quite nice if we could make the bike come back up again. You'd have to turn the vacuum. <laughs> You'd have to unplug the vacuum cleaner. Correct. Yeah. But if, yeah. but then again, if you're at sixty three degrees, you're not doing one hundred and fifty miles an hour because at that angle, you've got to be going through a slower corner, and therefore yeah. it's you're, exponentially less. Yes, you're not looking for very much, but it's quite important that you find something. In this case, what Ducati are trying to do is provide enough grip on the front to make up for the rest of their wings still working at that lower speed in the corner albeit with the ones closest to the ground stalled essentially by the presence of the rider's leg and arm stopping the air coming through and they provided a duct that won't be stalled because it's firing the air under the bike and b we then have to question what the section is of that duct as to whether it could act as a wing leaned over there's t there's, t there's three aspects four aspects What's the wing inside? What shape is it? What is the angle of the exhaust from that duct doing? I think it, it means that duct, that, that wing is kept working when the other wings have stopped working because of the rider's leg. And B, what's the shape of the sidewall of that duct? Could it be actually providing some downforce? I.e. A, a, a wing shape. Yes. <clears throat> and I think given, given, you know, I mean, my whole time in MotoGP has been looking at changes on a bike. And the basic question is, what is the problem to which that is a solution? And I could be looking at a different weld or a new wing or a different shape fairing or anything else. So my head goes back to what's the problem? And here, the problem was insufficient front tire grip when leaned over. Okay. Understeer. It's a very scoopy scoop. Um, and there's a lot of drag from that when it's doing 220 miles an hour down the home straight at Mugello. They must be very confident that that trade-off is enough because everything is a compromise. You can't have one without the other. No, um, and, and the Ducati is the fastest. It's also quite clearly the most powerful. I mean, the whole boom in aerodynamics and wings in MotoGP over the last few years has been driven by the fact that the rules were changed to allow more fuel because we had less sophisticated electronics and more engines because they wanted to make it easier for people to make engines to last. You know, at one point, we were, we were heading towards four engines a year. Now we've got seven. Um, so they can rev them. They've got 22 litres instead of 20 litres. Um, we have got much far less sophisticated software, so we couldn't actually try and make them run lean like we used to. Which was a money-saving thing. Yeah, a money-saving thing, but also a balancing thing because... Several factories had really got super sophisticated software and nobody else could come and compete with them. So they took it away from them. And what have we got? We've got six factories doing a brilliant, brilliant job of, of fighting each other because the super sophisticated software effectively got banned. But we've ended up with probably another 20 or 30 horsepower. And we couldn't use that 20 or 30 horsepower because the bikes just tried to turn over backwards. So we've developed wings to try and hold them down. And essentially what we're doing is we're saying, okay, all these wings cause massive drag. Uh, the higher up the wing, the more effective it is because it, the, the way the rules are shaped, the fairing front edge mustn't cover the rim of the wheel. 
so the, the fairings are cut away so the, the, the wheel is fully exposed. And you can't put wings in front of the fairing. So, in front of the goldfish mouth. Yes, yes. And, and then, you know, essentially a wing is a lever. And from each of those wings, if you draw a line back to the rear contact patch, you find out the length of the lever because that's what you're holding down. So basically you can run a bigger wing further up as you've got more room. Um, but by having that wing further up, you've raised the overall bike center of pressure, which means the wing itself is causing drag that's trying to cause a wheelie. So you have to then build that wing to provide even more drag and even more downforce. So we're stuck in this box. We've got maybe 30, 40 horsepower too much. And basically they're blowing 20 horsepower on drag to be able to use another 20 horsepower going forward in a straight line. Good God. Can you imagine how quick they'd go at Mugello without the wings on? Well, uh, yeah, I just want to know. I mean, I was told many, many years ago by Alan Jenkins, bless him, uh, and he just said, we've put everything in a wind tunnel to, to work out what we do at Mugello, he said. And then it occurred to us that we hadn't actually factored in what would happen if the rider sat up. It would just turn over backwards. The increase in lift from the rider's chest, I mean, it either would lift him off or it would lift the whole motorcycle over backwards. Because it would be going so quickly. There is that possibility, yes. And that's the box motorcycle racing is in. You've got to have a high centre of gravity to make it turn into a corner, but you want a low centre of gravity for starting and coming off corners. It's why we've got all the ride height adjustment. They're desperately trying to get both motorcycles into one package. It's why the fuel tank is at the top and not the bottom, because Honda found that out. Yes, exactly. I mean, if you put it at the bottom, I mean, the way a motorcycle turns, uh, it actually falls over on a line between the, the lower bearing of the front triple clamp and the rear tyre. So by having the fuel tank underneath, it was like having a big bucket of water on a piece of string. It, you know, the rider pitched it over and actually the fuel tank shot off to one side and the motorcycle tried to follow it immediately afterwards, yeah. <laughs> as, as Mr. Spencer found out. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yes, yeah, so the, the weight distribution, I mean, there's an awful lot of counterintuitive things going on in motorcycle racing. But in the end, we've hung a lot of very high drag causing wings off the front so we can use a bit more of the power that was previously unusable. And Ducati have mastered it, but I think what they're now trying to do is find a way of having something low down on the fairing that gets them back something aerodynamically that they've lost with their big wings. Ducati owned by Audi. Yep. Is a lot of this aerotech with some clever people at Nekasum, some Audi's sporting headquarters uh, from the Le Mans projects, from their GT3 projects and such like, or is there still a bit of the red factor and Piero Ferrari, is uh, is he still a director of Ducati? Is there still a bit of their friends up the road at Ferrari Formula One who are helping them out? What's your gut? My gut is that uh, somebody's been bright enough in Ducati to go and have a chat with some of the lads at Ferrari and say, what if we were to do this? And it may have become an official project. It may be somebody retired. I mean, Ducati and Ferrari have a long history of working. I, mean, I remember sitting in the, in the Ferrari museum looking at a Formula One cylinder head and it had full Desmo valve gear. 
five valve per cylinder Desmo valve gear. And at the time, my little business, Sigma Performance, was building track Ducatis, and we were building the new Desmo Quattro Ducatis, so the, 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 the 998s and 999s. And I looked at it, I looked at this Ferrari cylinder head, and I remembered what our own cylinder heads looked like, and they were by the same man. There was no question of it. Uh, and it's a, a, a Signor Marchetti, uh, basically left Ferrari after a long career building engines. I think he built all their three-valve stuff, and he went down the road and did a year at Ducati before, I believe, unfortunately, cancer got him. But he built that Testa head, and that design has morphed into the one we have now. Quite a boy. Mm. But, yes, yeah, so I, I don't... I. You know, how can I put it? People talk and people can be persuaded to do a little side project. I suspect the work in this will have taken somebody quite a long time. But the germ of the idea is quite interesting. I mean, Aprilia were very proud 18 months ago to announce they'd hired a chap from Ferrari. So a lot of their wing work is coming from uh, a guy who started off on cars. But as I said, the problem with bikes is the thing leans over. If you can find a way that as the problem gets worse on one side, which it would with the Ducati at full lean, and you fix it with something else that gets better at the same point, which it would if the side of this duct was a wing, then you might have just cracked it. Do you find them visually good-looking, all the wings? What's your take? I think it's more um, function, but I quite like the fact they look different to the road bikes. I like the fact that this thing's a proper, it's a proper weapon, basically. It's, it's totally and utterly focused on doing one thing well. It'd be absolutely useless at going to the shops, but I don't care because that's not what they were thinking no. of. No, no. Mine wouldn't be going to the shops because it would be on the wall because I think they look just a gazillion dollars. I think it looks absolutely fantastic. They are hugely functional. Um, I think the colour scheme assists the Ducati yes. in the way that they've kind of hidden the wings a bit. When you look at the Lenovo and the way that Audi are and NetApp, if you pull up a picture of the, this year's Ducati on your screen now, if you're listening to us, that would be fantastic. And just sort of analyse and look at where all these wings are and how from the side you can't really see them so much from the front. Obviously, you can see through them and such like, but they are bluntly purposeful yes yes and there's a, and there's a beauty in that you know Correct. especially especially to a petrol head you know or, or mm. you know, mm. power, i think the front head. of the bike is weirdly a lot better looking than the tail section which is all a bit they forgot to finish that bit because they had to go to the first race to me it doesn't look so fine well this year's one is different this year's one is different i mean the, the, since they started with the lunchbox which for what worth, I do think came out of car racing. The the guys connected with this project who have a history in cars, um, but essentially, aero wise, anything behind the rider's backside doesn't make an awful lot of difference. We used to think it did, but in the end, the, the rider destroys the aero deck there, and you just want a box in which to put some things that damp out vibrations. And they, the bigger the box, the more things there are. You know, I suspect there's two or three mass dampers in there. Okay. Which are just, in the end, a rod with a weight vibrating at a different frequency. Yeah. And whatever frequency they need to kill off, they'll stick in the back. So we're coming up to Assen. Um, let's see how they get on, see what wings they've got. 
you'd be fascinated to see inside that little scoop. I think that's the uh, that's the killer photograph that you'd be getting if if any journalist would be allowed in pit lane at the moment. Yes, well, I mean, the, the, the photographers obviously can, but um, hopefully now we've got this one running, we'll find out what they can see. We will indeed. What are you up to at the moment? Me, uh, I'm just really basically keep, keeping Sigma going, getting it ramped up a bit. That's um, it used to be a business tuning Ducatis, but when slipper clutches turned up, we went that direction. So we've got a whole bunch of slipper clutches we're trying to get out there. Uh, I'm off to BSB to Alton this weekend, have a look after some of the 300 super stockers, things like that, the GP2 bikes, and just try and make sure our clutches are doing the business. I'm sure they are. Neil, fascinating as always. It was as if we were in the Mugello pit lane for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. What are they doing now? Exactly. Thank you so very much. Uh, Neil Spalding, ladies and gentlemen, go to motogptechnology.com and then you can see pictures and read all about uh, what Neil has written about in his third edition of his MotoGP technology book. Keep in touch with the-race.com for all news, podcasts, videos about Formula One and MotoGP as the season progresses. In the meantime, thank you for joining in and catching up with us. Keep in touch with Neil Spaulding at Spaulders or myself at Toby Moody. In the meantime, we'll speak to you all soon. Take care for now.